Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Way back in 2005, two brothers set off on a road trip that would save the world and change television. David and Sean Cassidy. No, not the Cassidys. That's a waste. No, it's Sam and Dean Winchester. Right. For 15 seasons and 327 episodes, Supernatural took audiences on a wild ride of family, fate, and faith with a rocking soundtrack and a seriously cool car. But that was then, Bobbo, and this is now. And yes, the show has quote-unquote ended, but we're not quite done with the journey. No, we're not. And that's why we're watching it all over again, or for Rob and me, for the first time, diving deep into every episode of Supernatural with the fine folks who made it. And we're taking you along for the ride. Whether you like it or not. I'm Rob Benedict. I played Chuck Shirley, a.k.a. God. Uh, spoiler! Yeah, it is a bit of a spoiler, but hey, spoilers are fair game here. Ah, fine. And I'm Richard Spate Jr., and I played the Trickster, also known as the Archangel Gabriel. And I did a little bit of Loki work in there. Okay, you know we're running out of time. Okay, well, we'll be talking about the entire series, so whatever we say, accept it. You've been warned. So buckle up and settle in. Because this, my friend, is Supernatural, then and now. Hey, everybody, this is Rob Benedict. And I'm Richard Spate Jr. And we're here to talk about Supernatural Season 2, Episode 18, Hollywood Babylon. Okay, see, right there, I I had this title wrong. <laughs> I thought yeah. it was I thought it was pronounced Hollywood Baby Lawn. Baby Lawn, yeah. And it was a sequel to Hollywood Grown Up Lawn. Oh, right. You know, nobody makes that mistake. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> it, it's, it's spelled B-A-B-Y uh-huh. L-O-N. Uh-huh. Baby Lawn. Baby Lawn. <laughs> This is my baby lawn. My big lawn is around back. Hollywood, baby lawn. Baby lawn. lawn. Um, All right, let's get into it. There's a lot of fun little nuggets to break down in this episode. Yep. All right, so to summarize, after the death of Madison... Who's Madison? I don't know. I no, Madison, know. come on. You got you to remind everybody. Okay, she's from, okay. She's from... So Madison, who everyone knows, was the <laughs> werewolf that uh, had sex with, with Jared. <laughs> I'm not sure that's how we should characterize the character, but maybe she had the, then, ter- the internal struggle of being a wolf who couldn't sure. get out of being a wolf, you know? Tomato, tomato. And Whatever. then he shot her to end the episode. So after that dark moment, we're going to lighten it up and go to Hollywood. So Tinseltown. Dean, yeah, that's right. Dean convinces Sam to head down to LA to take a break from hunting. The Dream Factory. That's right. Sam wants to keep himself busy and look for a case. The boys discover that there is a movie shooting where some strange things have occurred. Is there a movie shooting in town where strange things aren't occurring? You know what I mean? Guys, am I right? Hey, huh? A stagehand has been mysteriously killed and the lead actress reported seeing a ghost by the body. Dean gets jazzed when he learns that the movie stars one of his favorite actresses, Tara Benchley. The boys start investigating and learn that the stagehand's death was faked. It was a publicity stunt staged by the slimy studio executive, Brad Redding. I never trusted Brad. No, nobody trusts anybody named Brad. 
including Brad Creaser, <laughs> our camera operator. <laughs> However, he soon dies after seeing a ghost on set. Oh, no. So Dean goes undercover as a PA, which Rich, that's actually, uh, PA stands for production assistant. Oh, didn't understand yeah. that. And he's a natural at the job and he loves the craft goodies. Yeah, he likes uh, the free food. Yeah. The brothers learn of a legend about a screen actress of the 1930s who killed herself on the stage after being dumped by a studio executive. She's buried at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, which I go to every summer to watch movies. They have movie nice. screenings at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, where the boys salt and burn her bones. That doesn't happen at the movie screenings. Soon after, one of the executive producers is wandering around the set and encounters a different ghost. He gets sucked into a giant wind fan. I hate it when that happens and gets yeah. turned into a bloody mess. Didn't you think that guy was the was the DP? I, don't I thought know. he was the director of photography. I didn't understand that he was a producer. Uh, no, I think I knew. I didn't think he was a DP. Huh. This leads Sam and Dean to discover that the incantations in the script are real summoning rituals. They approach the writer, good old Martin Flagg, two Gs, who admits they are real, but says they are not his work. Not his work? No, the original writer, someone named Walter Dixon. It was the one who put them in. So Dixon, who was just a guy that they saw mumbling around set, uh, feels that he's been cheated and that his original script has been watered down. He lures Flag to the set, intent on killing him. This oh, reminds wait. me of backstage at Kings of Con. That's what you did to me when we were <laughs> writing. Yes. yes, correct. <laughs> exactly. Sam and Dean arrive in time to save Flag. They confront Dixon, who admits that he is using the summoning spells to get spirits and ghosts to kill the people that he feels have ruined his script and his movie. Flag destroys the talisman he's been using to control the spirits. He doesn't want anyone to have it. However, once free, the spirits turn on Dixon and kill him. So wait a minute. He lied, to, he, he lied to Martin Flag, but Martin Flag was also watering down the script and, and claiming that work was his when it wasn't his, and that was making Walter Dixon all mad. So essentially... This whole thing is a false flag operation. Is that fair to say? I, feel <laughs> I like... knew this was leading to something. This is... <laughs> it leads to, at the end, the flag gets teared down. They tear down the flag. The flag gets teared down? Yeah, they tear, tear down the flag. What's your first language? Because <laughs> it's not English. <laughs> <laughs> they, set, they set him up halfway and they, they say he's, he's at half mast. No? <laughs> All right, Flag incorporates details of the encounter into the script, and the movie continues production. Sam looks for Dean. He finds him leaving the trailer of Tara Benchley. Obvious that they just hooked up. Wait, they just hooked up? I didn't pick up on that at all. Come on. Literally, the, the trailer's shaking. Well, I assume, dude, if you were coming down those stairs, those flimsy stairs, I assume that meant he was coming out of the trailer and they just met. She's in a robe. She, she, she's got, you know, you know how you don't put your costume on, you're getting touch-ups? You get makeup all over your... What Wake did you up. think was going on, Rob? I know what was going on. Same thing that happened with the werewolf back in wherever they were. You mean Madison? She's a person, Rob. Madison. Anyway, in the last shot, Sam and Dean walk into the fake sunset together as the Vancouver rains all around them. I like to make a Vancouver joke. They're like, wow, this is like Vancouver. <laughs> they did? Yeah. It was raining. It's like, look at all this weather. It's like Vancouver down here. He said that? Yeah, at some point. Did he? Yeah, there was, there was, there was some joke. Uh, I missed that. I just, I thought it was hilarious because they're supposed to be in Los Angeles where it never rains and it was raining the entire time. I know. The, the streets were soaking wet. And th that last shot of them walking into the fake sunset, it was downpouring. It's great. It's yeah. it's really, that last shot is awesome. The whole episode's super fun. Fantastic. The well, let's talk fantastic. about it. Let's review it. Let's get into the R&RR, &R, which is the Robin Rich Review. That's right. I thought it was awesome. It was, it, you know, it's a classic episode. You, you've got a classic funny Dean. 
You've got classic Phil Segrisha directing, Ben Edlund writing, and it's really one of the first times I feel like, I mean, to me, this is almost a setup of, you know, some of the episodes to come where it's, it, it really like winks at the audience right. and pulls back the curtain a little bit. Uh, you've got cameos from, from crew members that we know. Uh, do you see Robin riding the bike? No. Right. Yeah, Robin's riding riding the little like motor scooter thing that Robin props. Little, yeah. Oh my they're, gosh. They're, they're walking to a trailer and Robin comes by in like a, a scooter, like a, a little motorcycle. Oh, that's awesome. And uh Jose. You saw Jose? Has, yeah. Where was Jose? That's his name, right? Jose? Well, are, Wait, if, may- if you're referring to Jose, then yes, it's his name. I don't know if you're referring to somebody else and getting their name wrong. Jose the, Camera? The, Focus? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's yeah. all over it. He's, there are a couple shots that he's in. Oh, man. Yeah. What about, yeah. what about okay, you know, I, there's, a, there's a big old shot of Johnny Mac in there. Yep. See Johnny, Johnny Mac? Yep. Johnny Mac, the AD. So, yeah, a lot of our, our friends, the crew uh, making cameos, the fact that the director is named McGee. There's a great uh, cameo that you wouldn't pick up on. But when, when, you know, when they call everybody together in a group to talk about, hey, this guy died, but what he really wants us to do is finish the film. You know, the McGee character sort of rallies the troops yeah, yeah, after yeah. the executive producer yeah. dies. And there's a shot of Jared and Jensen standing there. Right, by, right behind them is a guy wearing wraparound sunglasses. And that guy's name is Matteo Diorio. And Matteo Diorio is the Steadicam operator on Kung Fu. So I'm sitting there watching, and I'm he like, "He must have just been working on the crew." He was, he was a, a, a. I texted him. I'm like, "Wait a minute, am I seeing you in this episode of of Supernatural?" And he's, "Yeah, yeah." I was a camera trainee, so I was on set at that point. And he wow. goes, "I also was the guy doing the slate in the movie they were making." And he was just a, on crew for that episode and got and he, and he and I go, dude, you you accidentally stood in the best spot to be in the show behind Jared and Jensen. And he was like, that was no accident. <laughs> I absolutely knew where they were and stood right behind them. So there's a that's funny a really great shot. I'll send it to you guys right now because you got to see how like featured he is. But there he is, Matteo Diorio, B camera operator, steady camera operator of Kung Fu, another wow. CW show. Years before he was doing that, he was. Well, a trainee on Supernatural and uh, making a cameo in the show. Wow, that's uh, amazing. I'm Isn't that Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't write back, who dis? New phone, who dis? <laughs> so yeah, no, it was uh, super fun. And just like, I just loved the, all the little Hollywood nuggets. And, you know, the Dean, of course, Dean would be the kind of person that loved the free food. And, <laughs> and I love the scene where, where Sam's talking to him and he's got the... He's doing the AD bit where the, the, the there's someone's talking in their ear, right. so they're like. Didn't Phil tell us that Jensen made that up? Did he? Oh, that's I, like I recall and, you know, to me. What else did I love? There's a uh, Gary Cole. We haven't even talked about Gary, Gary Cole. Cole being in there. He's so great, what a legend. Almost a cameo. I know. Didn't you think he was going to be in it more? Well, yeah. Can't believe he was the first one killed. I think if you pony up for Gary Cole, you use Gary Cole. You know. Yeah. But I guess. Uh, but he probably was in town doing something else or something, and they called. Well, him he's up buddies with Bob Singer. You know. So yeah. I'm sure Bob pulled the old Bob Singer favor. Right. Awesome having him in there, though. I mean, he elevated the whole thing. Yeah, there was reference. Who was it who said there? Oh, the guy that played the guy who died, but it was fake, and he was just an actor. Right, get it, go to his house. He mentions like doing a play down in Costa Mesa, and uh, that's when I first moved to LA. I did like three plays down in Costa Mesa. There's a theater down there called South Coast Repertory Theater, and that's what he was referring to. Oh my was, gosh, that's awesome! Yeah. Uh, what else did you think, Richard? I thought it was the tongue and cheekness of it all, and it sort of poke at Hollywood was great. I thought it was really, yeah. really good. Um, yeah. I even love. 
how it leaned into the comedy the whole time. Like the teaser, you know, she screams because she sees a monster, but then you cut to the director going, now that's what I'm talking about. And then it goes yeah, to the exactly. Supernatural logo. <laughs> that's great. I thought that was yeah. super clever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the the, uh, the preview was the, uh, the trailer that they made was funny where it's like, you know, from the director of... Um, you know, Charlie's Angels, Charlie's Angels full throttle. Right. Oh, that was super fun. The trailer was super funny. I also wondered what was, like, all the years I've been in Supernatural, I've always heard them make the joke, another costly sound delay. And ah. they say that in this episode. And I'm trying to figure out, did they say that in this episode because they always said that on in the cast and crew of Supernatural? Right. Or is that where the cast and crew got that phrase? Right. And, and I, I tend to think they added it because it was already a phrase on set. Right. Um, I just get the feeling they had a lot of fun putting their own inside jokes in this episode because it was yeah. their own crew playing the crew, and it was a meta episode. Meta episode before anybody knew the phrase meta episode. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if I had any anything that I didn't like about it. I thought it was super clever. You know, Edlin just writes such smart, funny, yeah, obtuse episodes, and Phil is a Master so fun. Craftsman. I mean, he's a really fun director and he, he he looks at the, you know what I mean? Uh, fun, creative ways to shoot things. And He um, gets every detail, dude. He, yeah. he just gets every detail. There's no no two ways about it. And it was, you know, and I bet it wasn't easy to, to shoot because, you know, you're on a set shooting a set and you're trying to make it look like a real Hollywood lot, which they don't really have up in Vancouver. So Right. And if you're going to get crafty and want a sandwich, are you going to the fake crafty to get a sandwich? Exactly. Do you go to the exactly. real crafty to get a sandwich? It's it gets really, really confusing. Feel, yeah. Uh, so place. I do wonder where they shot that, to your point. Like, I, I don't recall a lot of backlots of Vancouver. No. Obviously, there are, but I wonder no. where they shot that. The other thing is, on that last shot, I'd be curious to ask somebody, there's the fake backdrop that then, then, then goes away, right? Right. And then they're just walking out. Right. And it looks like the backdrop, which is supposed to be Los Angeles, that looks fake. Was that supposed to be fake? Was that fake? I know what you mean. A, I don't know. I bet, I, bet it, I bet it wasn't supposed to look fake, but was fake. Uh-huh. That's, my, thought, that's my bet. Now that we look back and we realize, oh, that's fake too. It's really a great last shot, though. It's a great last shot. It's a great idea. Um, it's a great episode. I, you know, I, it's one of those ones where I wish we had. I wish we had Phil and Ben with us right now. I know. To pick, the, pick it apart with us. But now, to give it a review. I was thinking about this. I, I think... Look, I think it's it, it's up there with one of the classic all-time supernatural episodes. I've yes. heard it heard it talked about. I'd never seen it. Yes. Um so I'm I th- I think it's it's a classic and it's it's it has a twist. You know, the fact that it's it's one of the first episodes that Supernatural kind of was looking at the audience and winking. Right. You know, th- there are episodes to come like your episode Changing Channels or the convention episode that I did, of course the French French mistake. Uh, which which kind of build on this idea that 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 we're, we're able to do that in this world, but this was the first, right. right? So there's something about the beard that has to go. It's a trendsetter. So I'm gonna go. It's a perfect full beard with like a little ponytail under the chin, just as sort of a like has a little pizzazz in a way that other others haven't. And the ponytail under the chin. I'm just trying to think. I'm trying to like. Is do you have an image of somebody? Do you watch Cobra Kai? Do you watch Cobra Kai? I have not seen Cobra Kai. No. Wow. Your son goes as a character from Cobra Kai, and you have no idea. Well, I saw the original. Wow. Well, there was no original. Cobra Kai is. uh, I saw Karate Kid. Is my point. Oh, Karate Kid. Yeah. Well, there's an actor on it that has a beard, and under the beard is like a. It's like a little. It's like if part of the beard gets braided. And a little like a chin tail as opposed to a ponytail. A chin just comes down off the chin. Okay. All right. So that's the. the And and you you don't know the actor's name or the. uh, Yeah, I do. I could find out. Let's see. It's uh, 
Paul Walter Hauser. He is in Cobra Kai. Paul Walter Kai. Hauser. He's amazing. In yep. Black, he's he, in Cobra Kai? He's in Cobra Kai. God, he's this so guy. good in Blackbeard. Uh, Blackbird. Okay, so you're giving him a Paul Walter Hauser from Cobra Kai. Well, f- from Cobra Kai, yeah. Where yeah. he's got a little, yeah. There's a section of our audience that's going to know exactly what I'm talking about. Right, and that's a, that's a good one. I'm, I'm going to go with a, a James Harden. I'm going with sort of the very, oh, very- str- big, huge. Very yeah. strong beard. And what I like about the James Harden is it comes out of nowhere because he's got short hair, closely cropped NBA star, mm-hmm. athlete, short hair look right. with this just massive beard that comes out of nowhere. Like the episode right. comes out of nowhere. It just shocks you with his comedy and his uniqueness and his standalone ability. Um, and it's sort of a fresh voice in the midst of a really dark arc. He goes from Madison having to get offed by her lover, uh, Sam, to, and now we're in Hollywood and things are crazy. And I, so I'm going to go with James Harden, which is okay. damn close to a Stapleton. You know, it's probably as close to a Stapleton as you can get without being a Stapleton. I'm just giving you a little, like, like, I'm, I'm leaning with Rob on the idea that it's, it's a great review with flair. See what I'm saying? Yeah, like, the difference between James Harden and Chris Stapleton, James Harden, if, you, if you're not quite, if you're not a basketball fan, is a, he's a, he's a, one of the premier basketball players in the NBA. He's got style. If you look at that guy off court, that guy's got a lot of style. hundred percent. Like know, this episode. Yeah. And Chris Stapleton is, you know. Uh, we love him, but he's just a good old boy who grew, grew his, you know, beard out. But we got a long hair and a beard. He a didn't give two, two, two hoots about what you think about it. So yes, yeah, so let's go with. I'm going Harden, and you're going Paul Walter Hauser. He played Paul the Walter character Hauser. Raymond on Cobra Kai, and his beard in Cobra Kai is quite something. This is an interesting piece of trivia that people will will maybe find fascinating if they're still with us. Uh, our review. <laughs> Uh, was longer than the episode itself. So <laughs> the first time ever we've outpaced the actual show with this. Cut to buildings, prol- buildings falling and rising again. <laughs> yes. Prolonged, <laughs> prolonged review. Anyway, there you go. There's a review. The Rob and Rich Review. All right. Our guest today is special makeup effects and prosthetic artist Toby Lindela. Toby was part of Supernatural's makeup department from 2005 to 2016. The salad days, they call those years. That's right. I guess they would call them the salad years. (laughs) Whatever. The salad years. So it's a lot of days. Other TV credits include Peacemaker, See the Stand, or as Rich likes to say, See the Stand. (laughs) You should see the sit. See the genuflect. They're all impressive. Supergirl, X-Files, Lucifer, and DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Film credits include Star Trek Beyond, insert Rich Joe. Beyond what, Rob? Warcraft, The Grudge, and Antlers. Please welcome Toby Lindo. I feel like your name is The Grudge. Thanks, Toby. It's so nice to have you on. It's Toby Lindela, uh, who did the uh, prosthetic makeup. And uh, it, anytime you saw a face that was messed up. <laughs> a mangled <laughs> limb. Yeah. Yeah. Any- yeah. That's Toby's Toby's fault. your guy. <laughs> I mean, it's not all my fault. I'm a member of a, of a really great team of people that pulled it together, you know? Well, it does take, I mean, we're going to kind of dive into that. But, well, let's start at the beginning. Robbie, let's start at the beginning. Yeah. How did you get your start? What was your, your tra- did you have a, a dream as a kid? Was this always what you wanted to do? Um, it's always what I did. 
when I was quite young, I was actually really affected by horror movies when I was young. Um, I think I'm like particularly sensitive and I've since kind of like calloused that all over with watching so many like graphic things, you know, but yeah, I was really stirred. So uh, I had to figure out how it was done and you know, I just got really drawn to it and push it, kind of pushing into the fear. That, but I started like building stuff and mixing blood and I, my first, you know, just, just playing around. I was always like, I was always in trouble. They thought I was going to be a serial killer or a, uh, you know, <laughs> or something, but uh, <laughs> and now my, my parents uh, gladly wear these shirts we did. We kill people for a living. Let the make an effect, right? You, know? <laughs> you, know, you, you just said something that it was fascinating, and you and I'm going to mangle it a little bit, but you said you leaned into the fear or you know, something along those lines, which is yeah, really man. interesting. So I have to ask, so you were affected by horror movies, and it, it doesn't sound like it was all positive, though. It sounds like you had some adverse effects from watching graphic stuff. Is that is that fair to say? I guess so. But it could be some kind of form of a synesthesia or something like that. You know, like because I also um I, I definitely was uncomfortable, you know, but it's it's like that that roller coaster ride feeling, right? Like right. you know, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die. Oh my life, right? And right. Uh, yeah. so I um I was in that I had a really like, heightened sense of fear, but I that made it kind of more attractive because I never got injured from it or and then it, and then I became like just enamored with the idea of like how do you scare people like that? That's powerful, you know, just to have a chance to experience those bodily and mental reactions yeah. absolutely yeah. so you would have just start like some of your origin story movies like what what movies are we talking about that inspired you i mean i remember just getting really enamored with abbott and costello's uh, uh meet the frankenstein and werewolf and stuff like sure you know yeah, yeah like those were awesome there's those in the early um you know the early hammer films and the uh those those sent me i i literally believe my mother was a vampire for the first 15 to 48 years of my life. Wow, that's a, <laughs> that's a, that's a big run there. It's yeah. a big gap. <laughs> yeah, I'm still unsure. Jury's out. But she's got she's got full dentures, so you can never know, really. Yeah. <laughs> good, 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 good point. Bad pun. Good yeah, point. I remember my parents had, when I was a kid, my parents had one of the, uh, had a book that like covered all the, the horror films like from the early days to, to, to now, which was mid-70s. And it was all the, the, the creatures. And I remember being particularly freaked out by uh, uh, Nosferatu. Oh, right on. Yeah. That, that freaked me out. Just the pictures of Nosferatu, which is probably the 20s or 30s. You know what I'm talking about, Rich? Yeah, of course. Like, just, Kosky, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah, I, I got uh, I got really into um, like I, by leading into the horror. I mean, I watched a lot of, a lot of Herschel Gordon Lewis films and that when when v, VHS just kind of came out when I was around 12, 13. Mm-hmm. And we were, I was in Sault Ste. Marie. We just like rent the, the craziest, nastiest backyard slash. Films. It's all like, it's all like actual meat and mannequins, you know? Right. But uh, yeah. just like put you right into it. These Herschel Gordon Lewis films. And yeah. So name, yeah. name some titles because I'm not a hor- horror aficionado. Oh, so who- Wizard of Gore, Monster of Go Go, you know, um, uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis. They, they've remade Wizard of Gore. It's kind of a, it's, you know, a backyard slasher classic. Right. But I and mean, there's something about VHS that almost makes it scarier. True, man. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, so it's really interesting. Interesting because my experience with horror films was the opposite. I was scared by them and not in a charming way. Like I was, just, I just didn't like scary stuff. I would go to a theme park or a, the traveling carnival that would come through town. And as soon as you get over to like the weird area, I mean, I would literally freeze my tracks and I have to be escorted <laughs> the other direction. I would, it would really freak me out. A heart, the, the cheesy painting on the front of the place. Right. Yeah. I remember, I think the movie It's Alive was out like around then in the 70s. And there was, a, do you remember that? The It's Alive and it was the, the baby carriage. 
with the cl- with the lobster claw hanging out the side of it. <laughs> it just scared the awesome. living crap out of me. And it was just a still yeah. image. It was a billboard. Or actually, it was the trailer. And the trailer was, I don't even remember this. It was like Rockabye Baby and a camera circling a carriage. And you hear right. the baby crying. And it's this beautiful little 1950s candy carriage. Yeah. And you get around to the other side and that baby's arm drops out and it's got a lobster claw on it. And it mm-hmm. just freaked me out. And so I did not lean into my fear. I leaned away from my fear. I sprinted the other direction. So you leaning into your fear to me means that even though you had a quote unquote negative reaction, like you say, it, it had an endorphinal effect on you in a positive light, right? Like it triggered something, a creativity Absolutely. or something. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was, I was fascinated by, by the power of it, you know? Like if uh, this can do this to me, can I do this to other people type thing? Exactly. Exactly. And, and can I, can I rule these monsters that I'm afraid of, <laughs> you know, like, right. I, yeah. I'd be the ooh monster. <laughs> that's super um, interesting. But the, um, yeah, it's neat. It's, it's such a, it's, it's a really wonderful field. Cause it, uh, you know, it's super varied too. You know, that uh, my first paying work was, uh, I was 11. Oddly, I got, uh, there were some some family friends that had a little uh, theater thing happening in Sault Ste. Marie. And I was playing around with, with mixing blood and they couldn't figure out uh, how to get a blood. It was for Agnes of God. And they were doing a, a stage performance of that. So she's going to be covered in blood at the end. And I was 11 and they, they said, hey, yeah, so we hear you. And yeah, can you think of anything? So I mixed up a bunch of blood with a, with a, a soap base, right? Instead of uh, like a syrup or anything base. And it washed right out so they could just keep that same costume and start out nice bright white and then continue on, right? Oh my God. Wow. Genius. Yeah, it's simple, but... Uh, yeah, but I love doing stuff like that, you know? That's awesome. Did, did your passion awesome. and, and you know, hobby ever turn into formal training, or are you self-taught? No, I, I did do some training, but I never really, um, yeah. A lot of guys seem to, like, start to think of it as, like, a career sort of path from the beginning. I was just, it was just a hobby for me, man. Like, I just loved doing it. It was fun. But I always, I always made things, it's like music, uh, art anything like like inventing stuff but i wound up uh when i was 17 i wanted to go to, to school but we didn't have like money or resources and i didn't want to spend four years in school and come out on the bottom rung or something that i didn't really know what i wanted to do or didn't know if i, if I like it or not right sure. mm-hmm. so I, I yeah so i thought well there's this makeup thing that i've been playing with let me i'll check it out i caught an ad i was lucky i, I studied with it's just like six weeks but i studied with uh todd mcintosh he's a makeup artist he did buffy and oh wow okay uh, okay american and canadian sort of combo and he's just like obsessed he's a wonderful he's a wonderful artist but he's like brilliant um but he's obsessed he's wonderfully obsessed yeah i might have worked with that guy i I played a vampire on uh, buffy way back in the day and i I was one of my favorite experiences like being able to to be you know made up and you know uh, he, he like went to work on my face with his yeah mm-hmm. the, if it was him with the spray gun you know and yeah. like four hours in the chair but uh now that's cool so that awesome. they, so you got to work with him and that that really taught you a oh, lot i'm yeah, sure he's a wonderful artist and there's like this whole sort of like like school the, the whole business like it's really come together mostly due to Dick Smith. There's a guy, Dick Smith. I don't know if you're familiar, but Todd trading under him. Um, and I took the, the Smith course eventually as well. Uh, but it's, it's kind of a mail, mail out thing. Um, it's his life experience. He's like got this wonderful inventive mind and he keeps like meticulous records. So he, he shared them all. And yeah, it was really, really wonderful to, uh, to check it out and uh, and to get challenged to like use that as a reference point to start start making some of my own stuff. I remember at one point I was working on a show and I called up Dick and um, but I called him up and said uh, I've got to uh, I kind of make these guys look frozen and it, there's stuff I saw in your course and I played with a bit where you the mixtures with it's like an old effects sort of trick where you you took paraffin wax and turpentine and you got to warm it and just keep it warm while you're spraying it through a preval or a aerosol sort of spray right and it's wonderful because you get like these crystalline sort of like form you get like everything kind of drips down you get like real icicle look and all that the way it plays and you can kind of make it a little bit more translucent and stuff 
but I called up, you know, I was, I was a kid. I was working on X-Files. I was like 24, 25, something like that. And I called him up, I uh, called up the shop steward from the union and said, I just need to check before, because the only thing I'm familiar with to make these frozen look um, is this turpentine and wax. Is it okay I spray turpentine and wax on people? Said, no! Just asking, just asking. Jeez, guys. Good to know. <laughs> and so, Toby, were you on Supernatural from the beginning? I actually just came in in season two. I believe uh, Ryan Nicholson did a bunch of stuff for season one and uh, okay. Chalier. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think I spoke with the guys, but yeah, it, did, it didn't work out getting in on season one. But uh, yeah, I came in on season two and yeah, worked straight through. It was fine. It was fine. I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, I worked with Kim since uh, the X-Files, right? So yeah. Such a wonderful director, man. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, that's a, that's a recurring comment we get is uh, yeah. that everybody was like, dude, he mm. was no shrinking violet, but man, he yeah. was great. And man, he was supportive and I loved him. Yeah, yeah, and you knew it. You were you, you you were dealing with exactly what was in your face, man. And uh, mm -hmm. he was strong and powerful, amazing at pulling stuff out. Like I was listening to some of your earlier casts and stuff. It's nice to hear so many other people reflect on it as well, man. Yeah, you know, we, we'd go in for a meeting. I'd just have the script, just get through it and stuff. And but it, you know, things come together fast in TV, right? Like that's not our thing. We make anything in a week. Uh, yeah, sometimes and, and sometimes it's just a couple of days. And depending on other variables, the schedules you just, you can't buy a day anywhere. So we. Uh, you know, we have to get moving on stuff. And yeah, right from just, just getting scripts or pages, he would be like, he just like closed his eyes and run through it in his head. And, and he's just like, no, yeah, it'll be on his right arm. It'll be from that direction. You know, like he, he knew like, like, like crazy details, right? Yeah. So neat. Yeah. It was already yeah. made in his head. Yeah. yeah. That's mm. awesome. Yeah. Very gratifying to work with someone who has a vision like that. It is. It is. It's, it's, it's a little intimidating, but it really helps. Oh, um, yeah. Especially for you, that. for what yeah. you do. Yeah. Yeah. Huge, huge. Mm. Well, we're talking about Hollywood, the episode Hollywood Babylon. Yeah. And, uh, one of the reasons we want we have you here is you had a lot of work to do in this. There are a lot of uh, dead ghosts mm -hmm. to make up. How did it begin? Do you have initial conversations with Bob and Eric, Phil, the director, Ben, the writer, about what the look of the ghosts was going to be? Absolutely. I, I can't remember specifically on that one how it came together. I remember doing a digital design for it at one point for, for one of the characters, for that Billy Beard guy. Mm -hmm. um, we generally we get the pages and, and it went on for for so so many years that uh, it, it got nice it was like uh kind of like talking shorthand you know we yeah right the feel over time right um which it took a little bit for me to get there they, you know they, they really invented their own supernatural had their own mythology right there was there was nods towards reference reference points in uh in, in traditional sort of vampires or, um but like werewolves are invisible okay like you know like <laughs> right 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 you know the twisted things and uh yeah, you go back to the Bible. Yeah, the yeah. supernatural Bible for what you need to exactly, do. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so try to keep it. Yeah, still reflecting that world. They've got their own their own mythology, and, uh, and Eric Eric was amazing with that. Yeah, he's, he's yeah yeah he knew exactly what what was going on. Yeah, 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 all over it. Yeah, but generally, uh, yeah, get pages and then and then get together and just and kind of spitball it a little bit and then come back with some designs, right? Um, okay, you develop that eventually. Yeah, yeah. Okay, guys, hold on, we're coming right back. Aren't taking a snot without fight. I am getting out of here right now. Brody! From the producers of Cornfield Massacre, 
monster truck and the director of Charlie's Angels. Charlie's Angels full throttle. And Hell Hazers comes a new experience in terror. We must have brought them back. Back from hell. Again. Hell Hazers 2. The Reckoning. This film is not yet rated. You can sense it calling out to you. New reality seeks you. Join the journey to save Anomaly. Place where sound is magic. The only way to enter the world is by looking inward. Along the way, you'll learn potions, chants, and enchantments that will help you both in that reality and yours. So, answer the call and let your campaign begin. Featuring the voices of Ruth Connell from Supernatural and Dead Boy Detectives. There are ordeals ahead, yet with guidance, you will face them head on without fear. Todd Stashwick from Star Trek Picard and Twelve Monkeys. When the time arrives, wherever your journey takes you, be there with no attachments. And R&B singer N.C. Gray. There are worlds, realms, dimensions, and realities beyond yours. Anomaly is a role-playing meditation podcast that takes you into a world of magic and fantasy. You'll be invited to imagine yourself in scenarios such as learning to cast a tranquility spell or exploring a land vanquished by a dragon, but all connected by a shared mythology. The goal of guided fantasy role-playing meditations are to help you cultivate a sense of wonder, curiosity, balance, and joy in your inner world. Role-playing meditation is a form of escapism and relaxation, as well as a creative outlet for the imagination. The first campaign is an introduction to the world of Anomaly, its lands, magic, and secrets. In the eight chapters, you'll stretch your imagination, learn to center yourself, offer forgiveness, find confidence, relieve stress, and stop racing thoughts. Your true self will emerge, allowing you to manage your goals and dreams without confusion, distrust, or self-doubt. You can find it on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Or visit SeekAnomaly.com to learn more. Anomaly spelled with an I-E, not a Y. Seek Anomaly. Hear its magic. Thanks for listening, everybody. And now back to the episode. It was pretty gruesome. Hollywood Babylon was pretty, like, in terms of our run here with Supernatural so far, Mm because Rob and I have started season one Mm -hmm. and gone all all the way through, Unless I'm missing something, Rob, and you can tell me, it's like kind of the most gruesome of the prosthetic events. Oh, like, you're, just, you're, you're just getting moving, man. Yeah, yeah, he's got to keep on coming. Yeah, because yeah, that dude, like, <laughs> yeah. that dude who got the fan in the face, or you know, the Billy Beard, like yeah. that was that was intense. Mm-hmm. That look, and that had to be substantially time involved to get him done like that. Uh, it, it was, but um, it was a really nice uh, collaboration with uh, with visual effects. You know, Ivan Hayden was uh, coordinating that, and sure, uh, yeah. Mark Mark was wonderful later on too, but uh, they all worked together. But yeah, man, what a killer killer VisFX team! And it was really nice to have to have so much strength and communication in house. You know, 
yeah, man, because we we did um yeah we we did, we built the pieces for them. And, you know, it's it it all foam latex back in the day still then, and uh, ventilated wig and stuff uh, and a fake eye. But uh, we had a big uh, swath. It was just painted out green. Yeah, they, they brought the background in so that, uh, yeah, you're looking through. We made some negative space. That's always the trick in prosthetics is like, you know, you can, it's an additive process, right? So right. a lot of times with characters and stuff, I get that the, I get lenses done. I just get them to make the eyes a little bit bigger to help refine the features because the um, everything we do is bigger and bigger and bigger to imply depth, right? Right, right. Right. Those effects, uh, I mean, think about it and plan it out enough in advance, man. It was, it was really cool. Yeah, nice. and, and for that guy, like, it looked like he had like a something happened, something fell on his head or something. Was there a discussion about what the, his backstory was? Yeah, he was. I think he was hacked apart by the fan. Yeah, yeah. right. Okay, that's that yeah, was yeah, that was the, He got chopped yeah. up by the by the. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. And and and, and you said uh, so. To, back in the day, you do it with foam and latex. Mm-hmm. What would you do that with today if you're doing it? Almost everything's silicone these days now. Okay, yeah. and but that was still. That was still kind of the early silicone days. There's a couple of different tricks to them to it over time, like that stuff that wouldn't cure for us or that for that puppet. Maybe right, but right, that was, right. And that was back when we were using still um, tin cure silicones. Because platinum silicones hadn't really come out to the extent that they have now. It, it, the whole, you know, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful field because outside of just the challenges of everything being different, you're building everything, anything different out of every, everything you're building from is different yeah. today too, man. It's, it's uh, yeah. Are you camera specific? Meaning like now with the digital photography, well, probably with film as well, but different cameras handle blacks a different way. Different cameras absorb information in a different ratio. Yeah. Do you, does that affect your choices? Very much, very much. Yeah. And uh, and ideally we get a chance if there's anything that's like really like, you know, specifically needs to be just right, you know, then we, we get a chance to ch- check it with the director of photography. They, they, they call it the LUTs, right? That's where they, uh, they're the right. parameters. So yeah, the LUTs uh, can really, uh, can really it's, it's not the same as like uh, Kodak versus Fiji, uh, Fuji back in the day, right? But, um, well, can you do me a favor, explain to the, to the uninformed, because we, we, you know, we don't want to say industry terms and not walk Google. people through it. What, just how, from your perspective, how does, how does a LUT affect your choices and how would you, how would you explain a LUT to the fan? Well, the, well, the way I understand it, um, they can set the parameters of their color spectrum and it's kind of neat because, um, <laughs> it, it can kind of also really help us, you know, thank, thankfully I've worked with some really well and Serge is, is amazing. You know, so again, on this show, there was, there was, there was an understanding, but uh, a LUT to me is, uh, you know, some shows they'll, they'll push really far into, into, uh, into the reds and uh, and all of a sudden I'll have a red tone that just like pops way up, right? right. Um, yeah, it just it just gets really hot and and it looks odd. So you need to you need to be able to adjust to that or have that have that planned in advance. Or um, you know, it's a, a lot of shows these days they just crank the contrast, right? And right. Uh, there's different ways of reacting to that. I tend to keep my blood a little bit a little bit redder than I would to the naked eye, right? Just because mm. it just gets so blackened down. If once you lose all the red, yeah, it's a little trick I learned from El Royale. And you you started on film, right? So when things were you were working on X Files, so that had to be different. And now this predates my understanding of a LUT, but you wouldn't have been able to see because you can see the application of the LUT in digital photography. You can go to the DIT tent and look at what's going on, right? But you don't get to see that when you were shooting on film, could you? Wouldn't you only see that in the oh, daily? No, you, you you could you couldn't even trust monitors at all, right? Like none of that stuff. Uh, yeah, back in the day, 
No, I, I still tend to stand behind the camera wherever possible. So that's so, the only way you could really get a true look at it is looking through like through the lens, essentially. Yeah, exactly. And you still you still can't like that. The film's going to affect it, yeah, differently than just the the, the eyepiece wall. That's right? freaking uh, fascinating, man. <laughs> it's so challenging to keep that yeah. dialed in. Yeah, shot in the dark. But but again, also like these days, it's funny because I've had shows where it's the the light can be planned one way, and then it can be just totally adjusted and reset and and post too, right? Yeah, well, because right. it's not baked in. Yeah. Like it's not no, really right. wherever they want. Idea. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a rough approximation of yeah what we might be doing. Right. So here's oh, a question like, that's like not it's supernatural, but it's not Hollywood Babylon. It's the previous episode, which was Heart, and Heart was the introduction of the werewolf in supernatural lore. Pretty big impact because they they went on to have you know werewolves for the rest of the show, the rest of the run. How did you go about developing that look, the teeth, and and that whole design? Um, our standard, you know, you know we, we first came came across, and but it's funny because uh, I remember when that first uh, when that first came across our plate. I'm thinking American Werewolf, you know, I'm thinking like, you know, yeah, it was, it was an interesting, interesting take. It was not too far dispatched from our vampire look, but still uh, had its own, you know, specific, specific look and strength and mythology and, uh, and allowed for a whole other level of performance than, than everybody going full, full wolfy. Right. So, right. Right. So. right. But we started out with, we did like a bunch of digital designs again. We, back then we were doing, it was all Photoshop. Right. So uh-huh. right. a lot of photos and then do photo manipulation. Now we're getting, now we're all 3D, which is yeah. crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. That's one thing the pandemic gave me, thankfully. It put me, well, good and bad. It put me in front of the computer long enough that I could, you know, for a focused couple of months that I could finally get my chops up on ZBrush. So I'm doing more stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. And so did you have, and this might be impossible to ask, it might be asking like, who's your favorite child? But do you have a favorite monster from the supernatural universe that you, <laughs> you created? Yeah, they're also different. It's tricky, hey? Right, that's, yeah, exactly. Doc Benton was really fun, Dr. Benton. There's a bunch of different stuff. Like, there's a bunch of live gags that we did, too, like like bloody gory gags. We really, um, yeah, we really got pretty red in that show, actually. Yeah, push, awesome. pushing the limits, man. That's awesome. It's I can imagine that when you are doing something that freeform, that you are in love with all of your babies, you know what I mean? Because you're you're really coming up coming up from scratch. In the same way that an actor relates to a character, you relate to a character. It's coming from your mind to fruition on the sc- you know in development and then on the screen. And it must be interesting too to see when your creations are actor specific, meaning like it's going to be on an actor's face or on an actor's body. How that collaboration comes to pass? Because Robbie's had it done to him, I've had it done to me, and suddenly you make acting choices completely differently than you would before you put the makeup on because now the makeup is informing something that that you hadn't thought of before or you haven't experienced or felt before looking at yourself or seeing how people react to you in this new look and that's got to be an interesting revelation that you sort of witness and and are a part of every time absolutely man yeah yeah, i love that a part of it. it's tricky in tv because there's not a lot of time for development as you know right like you guys you guys both killed your characters you, they're awesome you did really really thank you for those well thank um, you thanks thanks man yeah man and i'm sure you found it too like you were you're around for for a while did, did you find it did the characters just come out like right away or was it, was it like did it take some some time to find it because you know like in tv it's wild like you know i'm always i'm always most passionate and most in love with the thing i'm doing now 
right? Yeah, you know? sure, 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 sure. Yeah, and then often, but often it, it, with TV, I've done a lot of tele- episodic work. That uh, with TV, it's uh, you, you're on to the next by the time you're in shooting now. You know? <laughs> yeah, um, I think it's so it's yeah. so weird. I mean, I, I'll I'll quick answer wow. and Rob will answer, but I think that when you're acting, I think it's now that I direct, I mm. see the speed of the process in a different light than I ever did because it it's a freight train. It's uh, fuckable, right? Yeah. But when you are, as an actor, you just have to make your choices. I mean, like, you are, it's opening night, day one. <laughs> so, like, you know, you, you, if finding the character, if you get, if you're lucky enough to do more than one episode, which Rob and I were, then you can start to build on what you did first. Mm-hmm. But I kind of feel like your first shot out of the cannon is just like, well, f- we're going to just <laughs> go for it and see where it lands. Yeah. Because you kind yeah, of are flying no blind, net. you know? Yeah. Unless you're lucky yeah. enough to have Kim Manners direct your first episode, which I didn't. Or you have Bob Singer direct your first episode, which I didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, the first guy, the guy who directed my first episode, it was also his first episode. So here we are, oh, wow. you know, the blind leading the naked. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> a, you just kind of have to lean in and 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 dive head first into it. Robbie, was your, your uh, experience similar? Yeah, you just go with your whatever your initial instinct was. And you're like, well, I guess they liked what I did in my audition. So I'll just keep doing that. And that was my initial instinct. And yeah, and like Rich said, it, you know, we we were blessed to be able to do more than just one. And then you get to sort of nuance a little bit. But um, yeah, I remember with my first episode, it was just, just going on instinct. Mm-hmm. Instinct and hoping that that's what they wanted, you know? Because again, I didn't work with one of the producers as a director. Yeah, you um, just, and it's funny, if you look at TV, if you really get an aerial view of TV, for people who don't work in this industry, it is a gathering of people moving at the speed of light, just clinging to their own skill set and relying on others to do the same. So you're like, I'm going to do my best and just assume that that department head is and that department head is and that guy is and that gal is. And we're just yeah. we're all moving. It's a massive trust exercise. Right. Though, it so. sure is. Because you're all just because <laughs> yeah, there's is. no there's no time to pump the brakes, man. You're just in. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're on the team. We're in the trenches. Let's get it done. Let's do it. Yeah. There's an ED I worked with, and one of his, uh, he's the best, uh, best way to to, uh, to kick off a complicated complicated sequence. He's like, yeah, uh, don't be afraid of failure. And, you know, like just go. I think that's one of the things that really kind of got me in the in the in the business too. Like, is because I started pretty young, and I imagine you guys probably did too, eh? Like, and it's like, you know, you're out on a limb, just like for me, I, I just without being in front of camera, <laughs> but still, like, I'm making art and like trying to bring it together and I don't say, yeah, I can do it and I can do it, but I don't know how I'm going to do it yet, but okay, it'll be done in a week, you know, and and, uh, and always pulling it off. But um, it's that, um, yeah, that uh, fearless kind of confidence or at least uh, maybe, I, I mean, that's the thing that the horror, horror movies, they, they taught me to suppress my fear enough that I could just move forward. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Circling yeah, back to suppressing our fear and plowing yeah, it forward yeah, into, totally the, into the brink. And just dive, dive off the high dive, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. Go for yeah, it. What could happen? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, dude, your imagination uh, is just inspiring. I mean, what, what you're yeah. able to what you're able to envision and then manifest is amazing. You and you and your team, and I know it does take a village, but uh, it's great people. It's amazing, yeah. and it's amazing yeah. to, to see on and we, screen. And we saw we saw it all come to life in this episode. You know, the 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 1930s film silent film star mm-hmm. and fa- uh, fan face. I like uh, fan burn. face. Man face, the burn victim lately, lady, uh, the no arm guy at the end. 
guy with just like just no just no arm. It's a it's a it's a grisly macabre of characters you have in this movie. Truly, really, I mean, I get you know it's one it's one thing to go from a werewolf, which is dynamic, but then you have like four just just mashed up folks. Yeah, you really got the business into the bayonet at some point in their journey. Uh-huh. But it, it's awesome. It it's yeah. You got so much more good stuff coming ahead of you too. It's like geez, another fourteen years along, I guess. Right. Uh, yeah. Like I, I I don't even want to get into it because I, I don't want to spoil it for you. But okay. All right. Well, <laughs> we'll have you back in. We'll have you back on the show yeah. to talk more. I'd love to. And yeah. we've just barely scratched the surface, no pun intended, of of what uh, your <laughs> accomplishments and contributions are. So you, we got to do this again. Yeah, Toby, Linda, thank you so much. My pleasure, guys. Thank you. Hey, this is Jeffrey Dean Morgan. We are going to take a quick break. Hey, guys, it's Rob. So check this out. I'm very pleased to announce that we have a new super sponsor. That's right. Marvel Strike Force. So Marvel, the one and only Marvel, has a mobile game. And it's a comic book fan's dream. Marvel Strike Force is it's a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. So, okay, so your goal is to power up your favorite characters and you complete missions and then you unlock fun stuff like gear and other resources and then you beat other players in a PvP, player versus player mode, such as Alliance War or Real-Time Arena. So as we, as I record this, they're enjoying their six-year anniversary. So you know what that means? Free stuff. Free stuff just for signing up via the unique link in the description. So the anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. And if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. So make sure you log in every day, each week. You take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strife Force's most generous event to date. So don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code. For every new user, so please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. All right. Thanks once again to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hey, it's Jeffrey D. Morgan again. Welcome back to the podcast. Well, that was great, man. What a fascinating guy. Dude, I mean, you got to love these people who are at the top of their game who who started as like infants doing it. Like he had a passion for it as yeah. a child. Yeah. And that passion and that hobby became a groundbreaking career. That's just. Yeah, I love that. I was like, what did, what did, what did you decide this? Week? He was like, I didn't decide. It just was. <laughs> you know, yeah. It just was me. And it, and it sounded like, uh, you know, I'm sure it's, we, we're laughing now, but he's like, oh, my parents thought I was going to be a, you know, serial killer. Serial killer. And yeah. I'm sure that was not a lot of laughs around the dinner table when they were concerned <laughs> about his, you know, <laughs> totally. his teenage years. But what, what a incredibly talented person he is. And yeah. Obviously yeah. a great team leader because he's, you know, got a great group of people doing amazing things. And so long yeah. ago, 
I mean, I, I, yeah. again, to reiterate, they were so ahead of their time. The effects look amazing. Yeah, they still look great. Yeah, hold up yeah. 100%. Yeah, as does the show. Yeah, as does your mustache, which I'm still a fan of. I know the jury is out in your personal life, but this guy, we're all in. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, it's time for mythology. Mythology! There are a few stories about cursed movie sets. One is The Exorcist, which is not surprising. Yeah. A large fire broke out, destroying most of the sets. Mysteriously, Megan's room was the only one left alone. There were several deaths of people who worked on the film. Actor Jack McGowan and Vasiliki Malarios died while the film was in post-production. Their characters also died in the movie. Creepy. Oh, that's creepy. All right, Robbie. Uh, also, Rosemary's Baby, equally scary movie. Producer William Castle was hospitalized with kidney stones, and when it's in so much pain, he started hallucinating. While in the hospital, he screamed, Rosemary, for God's sake, drop the knife. The year after the film came out, composer Christoph Kometa died in a very similar way as a character in the book, falling off a rocky cliff at a party. Uh, Roman Polanski's then-girlfriend, Sharon Tate, got interested in the occult as a result of the movie, and then she was brutally murdered, infamously, by the occult of followers of Charlie Manson. John Lennon even died across the street from where the movie was shot. Uh, that's, tri- that's trippy. The whole Manson murder thing is just so bizarre, well, which I've just read a ton is... about. And, yeah. you know, the fact that he was dating Sharon Tate at the time, and yeah. ugh, it's crazy. Yeah. The Omen. Well, don't get me started. But I guess I should get started. The animal trainer brought in to wrangle the baboons was mauled to death by a tiger the day after shooting. Well, He said to his wife when she died years later and joined him uh, at the pearly gates, imagine the irony of getting mauled by a different animal that mauls people. (laughs) All the time I was worried about the baboons, I sort of turned around to worry about the tiger. Egg on my face. Though they were trained dogs, the two Rottweilers on the set went uncharacteristically wild and injured several people. One of those people would not have been Richard Spate because I wouldn't have been within a stone's throw of two Rottweilers on set. The special effects designer who designed the beheading in the car accident scene was soon after involved in a car accident that beheaded his wife. Well, that's a hat on a beheaded hat. That's awful. Wow. That's creepy. Creepy. Oh, my God. Dude, The Omen is such a creepy movie. Okay, I'll tell you something about The Omen. But let me finish this trivia. During filming, Gregory Peck and writer David Seltzer were flying on separate private planes, which were both struck by lightning. Good wow. grief. What an awful... Wow. Mm. I My wife had never seen The Omen, and so I showed her that movie the day before our first child was born. It was probably a bad... Oh, my God, dude. Yeah. In hindsight, it wasn't a great move. I didn't really think about that when we were like, I was like, oh, we were thinking about names we didn't want. And I said, well, let's not use Damien Thorne as a name, you know? And she's like, well, who's Damien Thorne? I'm like, oh, well, let's watch, you know, The Omen. The Omen. And then, of course, she was like, why would you show me this movie? I'm about to have a child. That's insane. You <laughs> know, was- right after right after our first child was born, I remember we were just at home, like, recovering. And we watched, I think it was on Netflix. Remember the documentary about the family that, it, that like, incest and, like, oh. it, it's called, like, Meet the Somethings. Yes, it was about really, a, it was a documentary that, documentary that started out to be about clowns at parties, right? And then ended up being uh, a whole family of... Father and the son that were abusing people. Well, they were accused of it. I don't, yes, exactly. Yes, and you never quite know if it's real or not, but by the right. end of it, you think it, it probably is. Anyway, we're watching that as we like just gave birth and we're like, why, why, why they just it really messed with our heads. 
Um, you know, not on this list, but as uh, they mentioned in the episode, is Poltergeist. Oh, yeah. Which uh, famously, infamously, uh, three of the actors uh, in that movie died tragic deaths. Yeah, I know, exactly. The little girl. I mean, heck. Um, Sam refers to the summoning rituals as being Enochian summoning rituals. Now, everyone knows Enochian is an occult alphabetic system of ceremonial magic that dates back to the 16th century, and it is supposedly a language received directly from the angels. Time to move on to fun facts. Fun facts! Fun facts! Finally, some effing fun facts! The title Hollywood Babylon, or as Rich likes to say, Babylon, is taken from the book by Kenneth Anger which claims to expose several Hollywood celebrities of scandalous things. It is also a song by the Misfits. If you are just done with Kenneth and you're just tired of him, does that mean you have anger issues? (laughs) Sure. The episode is filled with Easter eggs and several self-referential humor about Supernatural, Jared Jensen, the producers and crew. Here are just a few. Dean tells Tara he thought she was great in Boogeyman. She tells him it was a horrible script. The 2005 film Boogeyman was written by Eric Kripke and executive produced by Stephen Hine, our producer. Our very own Steve Hine. Some of the notes that the studio executive gives the crew are notes that Supernatural received from the executives from CBS. Yes, and I noticed that one, the one about it being too dark. Yes, I, I picked that up. I picked up on that one immediately. Uh, the director of the film in the episode is named McGee, after the executive producer of Supernatural, who we've interviewed on this show. And Billy Beard was the DP that shot Kripke's first short film, Truly Committed, based on the short story by Richard Matheson. Huh. And uh, a couple others I noticed when they're taking the tour at the beginning, they're like the Gilmore set, Gilmore Girls set is this way. All right. And uh, Sam kind of gets a look on his face and like exits the shuttle. And uh, as they're walking away, they're like, and uh, Smallville. And he's like, and the, this is a, the set of Smallville. They talk about Smallville as they're both walking away. Uh, here's another question. Not a very secure uh, back lot because they're on the tour in the golf cart and they just hop out. Hop out. <laughs> like, let's get off here. Like it's a yeah. bus stop. Yeah. And just walk onto a set. I did I, like the whole, what's a PA? I don't know. Like, there's some good bits in there. And he says, I think they're slaves. <laughs> I think they're like slaves. It's a great episode. So fun. So, so tongue much stuff. in cheek. Yeah, yeah, it was really, really fun to see. And I'm sure it was fun to watch for fans. It's just uh, such a classic. Classic. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of the show. Heck, thank you for listening to every episode of the show. It's a treat to have you along for the ride. Robbie? If we haven't said it lately, we really appreciate you. And you you know what? We also appreciate all of you who are joining our Patreon because we've got one. Supernatural uh, has, Supernatural then and now has its own Patreon where you get to see extra clips, extra photos, unreleased content. It's awesome. So there's some videos up there. There's a bunch of stuff. So do yourself a solid and join our Patreon, won't you? It's at uh, patreon.com slash SPN then and now or Supernatural then and now. I can't remember. Uh, All right. Thanks, everybody. This episode of Supernatural features Jared Padalecki as Sam Winchester, Jensen Ackles as Dean Winchester. Guest stars include the great Gary Cole, Don Stark, Reagan Burns, Michael B. Silver, Elizabeth Whitmere, Ben Emanuel, and Morgan Brayton. Hollywood Babylon was written by Ben Edland and directed by Phil Sagrisha. Edited by Tom McQuaid. Music by Jay Greska. Supernatural is executive produced by Eric Kripke and Robert Singer. The episode featured the following songs. I've Got the World on a String by Frank Sinatra, Old Blue Eyes himself, and Green Peppers by Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. 
The episode originally aired on April 19th, 2007. This episode of Supernatural Then and Now was hosted and executive produced by Richard Spate Jr. and Rob Benedict. Produced by Stephen Hine. Written by Stephen Hine and Heide Holscher. Edited and associate produced by Trey Booty. What up, Benny? Music provided by Tim Wynn. The episode was recorded with the help of Sonic Fuel Studios. This podcast is from Story Mill Media. Follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at SPN Then and Now. And like I said, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash SPN Then and Now. Sam refers to the summoning rituals as being Inacane summoning rituals. Inacane is an occult alphabetic system of ceremonial magic. I hate to say this, I'm pretty sure it's Enochian. Who was, oh, okay, so that, right, right, of course, okay. After the death of Madison, which we all remember is rich. You don't remember Jack Crap. I do. Ma- she was Ma- she was she the, was the, the werewolf. Uh, she was, yes, she was the, the werewolf that yes. you coveted who yes. made sweet love to Jared and you were yes. jealous. Yes. You know, the other thing that's funny about that is it just goes to show the entire lie of this podcast just crumbled around your feet. As you, as you, the erudite Northwestern grad who does our summaries, who reads our summary, I'm just a color guy. You, you read Uh them like Alistair, you know, Cook doing masterpiece theater. A lot of people say you remind me of a young Alistair Cook. All the time. And you say, and you sit here and you read it with Uh your highbrow Midwest accent. And, And as soon as like you sentence one after mm-hmm. the death, beginning of sentence one after the sure. death of Madison, uh-huh. and who's Madison? No clue. Uh, well, don't know. At first, I first I was like, I thought Madison maybe was like the person who. Then I don't know. I'm reading this for the first time, Richard. That's what people don't realize. I've just got these these, these sides handed to me. I know, but it just shows a little peeking behind the curtain. Now I'm beginning to see, like the audience is as well, well we also that record, this is a house built on lies. We, we record out of order. And uh, so I had You're to out of order. refocus. Okay. What's the actor's name again? Cut out this pause if you could. No, never. Just, just add I the sign have, of, a, of traffic going by. <laughs> Storybell Media.